0: Our first part this morning from 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 15, the collection for the Lord's people. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave us much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion, the act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete um, earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by a completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be revealed while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, Your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality, as it is written. The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Chapter 9, verses 6 to 15, Generosity Encouraged. you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. So far.
1: Thanks, Devet. Uh, Keep your Bibles handy. We're going to be working uh, and referring back to a lot of the verses in those uh, chapters so you'll be uh, benefited if you have them in front of you. Uh, If you're wanting to follow along, you hopefully will have received an outline at the door. If not, there should still be some there so you can make use of those. Uh, The story goes that uh, a pastor one day was talking to a farmer in his congregation about giving and he asked the farmer, If you had two cows, would you give one to the church? And the farmer said, sure, of course. Well, the pastor asked again, If you had two sheep, would you give to the church one? Well, the farmer replied, of course, pastor, I would. Well, the pastor asked again, If you had two pigs... Would you give one to the church? Hey, not fair, pastor, said the farmer. You know I have two pigs. (laughs) Now, of course, it's a stupid story. (laughs) Pastors aren't usually that straightforward. Uh, But there's a bit of truth there, isn't there? There's a bit of truth. Uh, It's very easy to talk big. Far easier to talk big than to give big, isn't it? (laughs) That story might be a little unfamiliar to us, but what about this? When I finally graduate, then I'll have money to give to the church. Or about this? When our kids are grown up, then we'll have time to serve. After the first few years of retirement, then we'll have the money, then we'll have the time to really invest into our church. Uh, We could go on, couldn't we? (laughs) It hits a little bit closer to home. And it begs the question of us, what is actually reasonable to expect of giving? <laughs> How much should we be expecting of you? How much should you be expecting of me? How much is enough? How much is too much? <laughs> what, what, what do we do when it comes to giving? Of course we're talking not just money, we're talking about time and energy as well. What do we do? Well actually God's will for giving is very simple. <laughs> it's very simple. Uh, ever since the series through Jonah, you've all been pressuring me to give a five-word sermon like Jonah's sermon. Well, here it is, give everything to God. Uh, it went one better than Jonah actually, that's four words. Give everything to God. I'm serious, give everything to God. <laughs> uh, if you like that sermon, if you feel like you can go and do that, you, you're free to go, that's it. Give everything. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, if you would like a text here, Romans 12, chapter 1, uh, verse 1, sorry. Present your bodies, that is your life, uh, everything of your life, as a living sacrifice. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Give everything to God. Well, how? I notice none of you have left, so you're obviously wanting to hear how. How are we going to do that? Well, that's what we're going to unpack this morning. How do we give ourselves to God? What does that look like? How do we actually realistically do that as people in this world? Now it feels like every time we talk about giving, it is inevitable that at some point the conversation is going to turn to the tithe. <laughs> we can't talk about giving without talking about tithing it seems and without the, the, the question coming up, well it's in the Bible, isn't it? 10%. That's what we should give. I mean we like that idea. <laughs> it's nice to have a number. It's, it's concrete, it's achievable, it's, it's measurable and it's pretty reasonable too. <laughs> uh, 10% is generous but it's not excessive. Excessive. But how accurate is it? How accurate is that 10% that we constantly refer back to? Well, actually, I think it's not very accurate. Now, it's true, the law says 10% ought to be given off the top uh, from all God's people. It was to go to the Levites, it was to support their work. But if you read closely, the law actually also says that 10% was to go to religious feasts. It's not the same 10%, it's actually another 10%. And it also says that another 10% was to be given every third year to supply the needs uh, of those who were living in poverty. So if you add it up, depending on how you do your maths (it's not my strong suit), but this is what I'm told, it turns out to be either 21 or 23% of your income. <laughs> That's not such a nice number, is it? <laughs> uh, whether you, then you need to go on and add uh, free will offerings, the harvesting laws, all the other generosity-promoting laws. That number's not so nice anymore, is it? It's well over a quarter. We might bring it up less in conversation. (laughs) But see, we've got to understand what that tithe was. Uh, The tithe was part of Israel's law, that law that God graciously gave to his people, uh, following the promises that he'd made to them. The law that was to teach them how to live in a relationship with him. So we often think of the law as a really negative thing but what God actually says when he gave the law is that it's a gift. (laughs) The law is a good thing for God's people. It helps them to know him better. Uh, It helps them to live well, in step with him. And the tithe was part of that. The tithe was a response to God. God had initiated a relationship with his people and the tithe was responding to that grace. And so what that means for us is We shouldn't be asking of ourselves, should we give 10%. What we should ask is, have we received more of God's revelation and truth and grace than those Old Testament believers? Do we know more of God's grace than them? And the answer is yes, I don't know if you noticed it when we read 2 Corinthians but that's what Paul's point is there. Look at verse 9, chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. I don't know if you noticed the key word there Uh, and running throughout that chapter, the key word is grace. Grace. It's actually really amazing when you look into it, out of this chapter, this chapter devoted to giving, it uses the word grace more times than any other chapter in the Bible. <laughs> See, Paul's making a point that we are not to miss at all here. Giving is about grace. It's not about the law, it is about grace. It is grace that drives Giving. See, what, what impels, what pushes God's people to give is the pattern that He has set for us in Jesus. Jesus, who left the immense, the perfect riches of heaven, who exchanged all of that for poverty and hardship here on this earth. Jesus, who gave Himself. Jesus is a giver. That's what Paul's saying. And He gave so much to us, He gave Himself and he calls us to give too. Just as we have received grace, a gift, it's the same word, that gift is Jesus. So too we are to give. See, uh, the the, Bible is not a story about how God dropped a check for righteousness or forgiveness down from heaven to give to his people. (laughs) It's not about how God uh, even tithe grace to us. Now, this, it's a story of how God sent Himself in His Son Jesus, who swapped heaven's glories for earth's darkness, in order that we could be as rich as He has. See, the best gift ever is a person, not a thing. The best gift is a person. I mean, we intuitively know that, don't we? <laughs> uh, you look at every kid ever. No no, no child wants a parent who works long hours, such long hours that they they never see them, uh, but gives them lots of really expensive presents. No kid wants that. (laughs) A kid wants their parent, don't they? They they want a parent who's around, who's available, because kids know the the truth. They know that parents are better than presents. They know that a person is the very best gift ever. And that's what God has given us. God has given us, you know, not, not not a boxed present of righteousness or whatever, God has given us a person. God has given us his son. He's given us Jesus, the Prince of Heaven. And he came down not just to deliver goods to us but to give us himself. To be with us, to, to grow a relationship with us, to adopt us into his family and make us his siblings. See, all that glory and wonder of Heaven that was his, he willingly gave up. And he swapped it for a humble birth, for a poor life and a terrible death in order that you and I could receive riches, (laughs) The, the treasures, the glories of heaven, the fullness of life for eternity and the joy of a relationship with God as our Father. See, Jesus is not like some boss uh, or CEO, you know, trying to, trying to woo back uh, a big and exp- uh, important client with, with great gifts and gestures. That's not us. <laughs> Jesus came to win back the lost. He came back to win the rebel, the broken, the wounded. He came to win sinners like you and me. That's who we were. Not deserving of, of that sort of sacrifice. And yet he did it. He gave himself for you. He held nothing back for you to win you. See, that is the immense grace that we have received. That is the gift that we have been given. And we give because of grace. Not for grace, but from grace. Uh, Not to know grace, but because we know grace. That's why this idea of a a mechanical, you know, 10% automatically off the top, it just doesn't fit, does it? It's not at all like the grace that God has given us. (laughs) Instead, we're called to give ourselves. It's what we saw in Romans 12. It's what Paul tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 that the Macedonians did. Uh, He says there in verse 5, They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. See, the, the, the number, the percentage that they gave, whether it be money or time or, or effort, that's secondary, isn't it? <laughs> what comes first is giving themselves. We are the gift that we give to God. It is you. We respond to grace with ourselves. Our Father's Day is just around the corner. Um, I'm guessing that most dads won't be too thrilled you know, when we, when we get the Kmart mug or socks. But you are thrilled when you get that craft or picture or, or painting that your child made at school. And I, I know it's no work of art. Uh, it's not going to ever be worth anything. But it's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> not because of its material value but because of what it represents. It's, it's an investment, isn't it, of your child into you. Their time, their effort, their energy, their creativity. They're giving themselves in that gift. And as dads, we, we love that. Well, so too God loves it when we give of ourselves to Him. The number is less important than us giving ourselves in response to His grace. See, that is how we respond to grace. There's no number commanded here there is just grace given and grace to be responded to. It it frees us from numbers, it rescues us from it. it. Grace takes us from asking, you know, how much must I, how much should I give to instead, how much can I give? How can I give? But that's not a really nice question, is it? That's a question I think, if we're really honest with ourselves, makes us very uncomfortable. Because all of a sudden we start thinking, but what about? <laughs> uh, what about our 10 year plan? What about uh, our trip to? What about our house? What about our retirement? What about the car, our hobbies? You know, where does this end? <laughs> what, what are we to do? We shouldn't worry. Because God's not left us without an assurance here. There's a promise. The promise that God is the always giver. Uh, We read in Hebrews 13 verse 5, uh, this verse. You'll know the second half, maybe not the first. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I think I've lost count of how often I've heard and even quoted the second half of that verse. We love it and and, and rightly so. But have you ever seen the context it's given in? The, the, The writer says, don't love money. Be content with what you have. Why? Because you'll always have God. God is always with you. He lives with you through his spirit and he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, whatever financial position you end up at, you will always have God. But that's not all. Not only will God never leave you, God will never leave you without. Matthew uh, six thirty-three, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is in that famous section. He's been telling his followers, don't worry about clothes, don't worry about food. And he says this, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that is, give yourself to him and pursuing him and all these things will be given to you as well. See, God is a giver. God is a provider. And that means we can give of ourselves. We can give ourselves knowing God's not going to leave us short. It's what he promises there, chapter nine, uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you you see what he's saying? (laughs) All grace in all things, at all times, for all needs. So that in everything you can serve and give. All you have is a gift. So give. There is no risk here of giving so much that you will wake up one day and have given away everything. God has given you so much. I mean, imagine for a a moment, you weren't born into your family. You were born into the Saudi royal family. You're a Saudi prince. And your family owns all the oil revenue of Saudi Arabia. Your dad, the king of Saudi, he is filthy rich, like Scrooge McDuck rich. He swims in money for his morning exercise. You are rich. And as a Saudi prince, wherever you go, a blank cheque follows you. Your, your family accountant, your personal accountant, he picks up all the bills behind you. Your life is ridiculous. You spend without a thought to what you're spending on. Whether it's dinners at nice restaurants, leaving exorbitant tips, whether it's cars and boats and planes, whatever you want, it doesn't matter. And you you can be so reckless with money. After all, you're drawing from a bottomless pit of cash. It's not going to end. Just do what you will. (laughs) You crash your rental Ferrari, who cares? (laughs) Dad will pay for it. You trash your six-star hotel room, so what? A check will see to that. You see an island, you buy that island. You want a boat, you buy the biggest one and so on. You've got an infinite provider. You're going to hold so loosely to money, aren't you? What is it to you? You can spend boldly, you can spend recklessly. (laughs) How much more us? (laughs) See, God God owns more than the Saudi king. God owns the Saudi king (laughs) and everything else on top of that. And he is our dad. He is our provider. How rich a store of things do we have to draw from? I mean, of course, we're not to be wasteful and reckless nor decadent, but surely, at the very least we can have confidence to give generously. Everything we have is from God and everything we have is a gift. Your jobs, your money, your time, your family, your holidays, your possessions, even this very day, they are all a gift from God. Without Him you wouldn't have them. You didn't earn them, you didn't merit them, Uh, You're not in this position because of your great savvy or hard work. You're here because God gave you this. Because God made all that happen. And because he is immensely gracious and generous to you. And that means we can hold it all so loosely and be willing to let it go. Trusting that the God who's provided all those things will continue to provide everything that we need. See what you have as gifts and be free to give. Give wisely, of course. Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed. Saying it's dumb to give away so much that you end up a charity case, that's not the point. Give, give generously, not foolishly, but wisely. Uh, give consciously, know what you're giving give thoughtfully, Uh, give well, talk to your wife, talk to your family, Uh, consider how you can give and use your wisdom. I mean, after all, it's pointless to shoot the gift horse, isn't it? And that will help us give gladly. I don't know if you saw there in, in chapter 9, verse 7, Giving is to be a good thing. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give what you can and in a way that you can give gladly. Giving ought not to be reluctant and not be begrudging. You shouldn't give because you feel pressure to give. Now, of course, that doesn't mean you can use the excuse, well, I'm not happy, I'm not giving. (laughs) That's not how this works. Instead, we give according to what our heart leads us to give. That's why I'm not going to tell you how much you should give. It's very tempting and you might actually like it. But I'm not going to do it. Because we need to give as we are led to give, as we've been given opportunity to give and in order that we can give gladly. We give wisely, we give gladly and we give boldly. See, I don't know if I've ever met a person who's given too much. Now, you might, you might have met someone like that, but I probably doubt it. And here's why. Chapter 9, verse 10. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. See, if you give, God will give to you. Now, that is not a tip on how to get rich. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. That's not how this works. That is certainly what, not in the text. What it's saying is, if you want to give, God will give you the means to give. If you want to give, God will make that possible. Now maybe, maybe that means he will give you more money or give you more time. He may multiply your wealth and make you free to give with it. And if that happens and it does, be glad. What an opportunity. But what's more likely is that God will just open your eyes. And you'll see how rich you are and see how much you have and see what more you could sacrifice. God will give you enough that you can give. Do you want to work out how much to give? Just start. Just give. Don't set a mark. Don't say, you know, when we get such and such income, then we can start giving. Just give now. And if it doesn't hurt, if you're glad... Then maybe give a bit more. You might be surprised just how much God has given you. Give wisely, give gladly, give boldly. For isn't that how God has given to you? Now, of course, that doesn't necessarily make giving automatically easy. (laughs) Uh, You know, giving is hard, there's no denying it. You look at your wallet, you look at your bank account, it can be tough to give. But that's not where we should look, is it? See, giving is a lot easier when we simply look up. Look at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read just from verses 12 to 15. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Giving counts, <laughs> giving matters. Now I know it often doesn't feel like that, you, know, you, you drop your money in the bag or it goes out of your bank account and that's it. But what this is saying is not so, (laughs) not so. Giving is a blessing, giving is a blessing to us but giving is a blessing to those who receive and even more so, giving overflows with praise to God. It is a testament to grace and how good grace is. So much so that Paul can actually call our giving grace to others. (laughs) See, when we give first to the church and to missions and then to other causes, ultimately we do it for the praise of God. It's for his glory. It's so that over, uh, thanksgiving to him will overflow throughout the world. Now, giving is a testimony to his power so that when other Christians see it, they can give thanks. So when the world sees it, they will marvel at what drives us. See, what you give matters. But we still have to broaden our horizons further because the final motivation, the final driving force here is looking to our future. It's what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. See, do you see how good your future is? Do you see how glorious and beautiful and rich and wonderful what's coming is? See, nothing we have now compares at all to that, does it? It all pales into significance. Those are our true riches. Riches that will last for all eternity. That is where we will know rest and peace and joy and abundance in entirety. And it's when and only when that we realise that and that we embrace that, that we'll truly be able to hold our gifts here loosely and be able to give freely and gladly. So you can't bring your riches with you. <laughs> so use them now. What's the point of hoarding something you can't take? See, in a sense, our life is a bit like the last day of a holiday. Uh, I don't know what you're like on holiday. What we often do is buy lots of nice food when we first arrive somewhere. And then we ration it. <laughs> don't want to eat too much. You know, make it last the journey. And what inevitably, inevitably happens is you wake up on the last day of the holiday and you've got all this food left over. <laughs> you can't bring it back. It won't get on the plane. You can't throw it out. It's too good to do that. So what do you do? Well, you, you pig out, don't you? <laughs> you? You've got to eat it all. You, you've got to use it all up. There's no point in wasting it. Waste nothing. So too with life. You can't take it with you. So use it up. Put it to work here. Don't store it up and lose it in the end. Use it. I mean, you can't bring it with you. Even if you could, you would realise your mistake the moment you step into heaven. I mean, how dumb is your dream house going to look next to the dwelling that Jesus himself built for you? It's absurd, isn't it? How stupid is your bank account in a city whose streets are paved with gold? It's ridiculous. How much better to give and to serve and to use up the gifts God has given in service to him here, wisely, gladly, boldly of course. And in doing so, store up riches in heaven. In doing so, earn praise to God that will last forever and ever. Hold eternity tightly and hold your riches loosely and you'll be amazed at how much easier giving is. Now of course, This is not a call to give or to use up everything you've got here. It's not a call to to live a life of austerity, a life of poverty. We are allowed to enjoy the world God has given us. We're allowed to delight in the gifts he's provided. He's put us in a beautiful world, an enjoyable world, which tells us he wants us to delight in it and in it to enjoy him. Enjoy this world, enjoy the blessings God has given it but don't use them to try and recreate heaven. That's coming. You can't do it here. Enjoy what God has given. Don't try to turn it to your own selfish purposes, but just enjoy it and just use it for Him. Your work is a gift. Enjoy it. Be thankful for it. What an opportunity it opens up to to give and to support gospel work. Your family are a gift. Enjoy them. Invest in them. You know, what potential there is for a life, for a house that's a beacon of the Gospel. Your holidays are a gift. Take them, enjoy them, delight in them. What, what refreshment they give us. What energy they provide to continue in the work God has set. Enjoy the gifts you have and give yourself to God. Uh, there's all sorts of incredible stories of generosity that we could end with. But we've already read one which I think is most remarkable. It's at the start of 2 Corinthians 8. Paul commending the Macedonian Christians and, and their incredible giving. He says, God has given them grace and they want to give. They don't want to give because they've got so much. Uh, they're not rich. They live in extreme poverty, literally the depths of destitution. And not only do they have nothing but the world around them is hostile to them. They live in severe persecution And yet from the depths of their poverty, God's grace has has welled up within them in this abundant and radical generosity. They knew the grace of God and it showed in their lives. Well, what might God's grace well up in us What might it well up from from the heights of our giftedness, from the the, the riches of the abundance he's already given? What would his generosity, uh, what, what is it leading and equipping us for? What use has he got for our abundance? What praise might come to him when we give with what he's given to us, when we imitate the grace that he's shown us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise for the immense and immeasurable riches of grace you have given freely to us in Jesus your Son. Father, that he would willingly become poor so that in him we can be rich forever with the best riches of all, relationship and life with you. Father, as he has given himself to us, help us give with grace ourselves to those around us. Father, open our eyes. Help us to see all that you have given us, the great gifts you've provided so that we can show wise and glad and bold generosity. Father, help us to give so that in us others will see you, your power, your goodness, your grace and give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.